This is the Agenda Podcast on the Blood Red Channel, taking a bite-sized look at some of the big Liverpool FC talking points. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest Agenda on the Liverpool Echo Blood Red Channel. Um, myself, Sean Bradbury, hosting today and with me I have Paul Gorse. Gorse, the, the international break, how's it treating you? Um, we're getting there, aren't we? Uh, yeah. What are we into now? Tuesday afternoon, um, slowly but surely getting closer towards Friday when Jürgen Klopp returns for his press conference. Mm. That is the magical barrier that I'm hoping to hit <laughs> in the next couple of days. The, the light is there at the end of the tunnel, isn't it? It feels yeah. like you know we're over halfway now. We're we're, we're pulling together and, and getting <laughs> getting through this as a newsroom and yeah. as a fan base, I'd say. Um, well, what you may have seen on the Echo website this week and. Uh, We've taken the opportunity in the, in the international break as the end of the decade approaches is to do lots of content around goal of the decade, player of the decade, moment of the decade, all sorts, which has been going on um, the website each day this week for Reds and been uh, been well read, caused lots of debate. So, yeah, it's been some good stuff there. Um, this agenda is going to be along similar lines, but it's something that we, we didn't cover in a piece. Um, not yet, at least, although Gorsi's got something up his sleeve. But one thing we didn't do was a player that's defined the decade because obviously it's been... Quite a tumultuous 10 years for the Reds and an incredible journey, obviously, which has seen them reach a very, very different place to where they started back in 2010. Um, and we put together, myself and Gorsley, six six possible candidates who we think could be the player who, in in a certain way, has kind of come to define this decade. So we'll run through them and then see if we can kind of agree on on one who we reckon is is the man. Uh, we can congratulate as being Mr. Mr. 2010s. <laughs> uh, so we'll start with candidate number one, uh, Felipe Coutinho who obviously goes all the way back to the Rodgers era went on to play more than 200 games for the Reds and scored 54 goals don't think he actually won anything did he but when you consider his impact and what he signed for what he left for what he allowed the squad to to, to you know how, how the squad transformed with, with yeah. the revenue that he brought in he's, he's got to be a contender very much so I think he's the archetypal money ball sign isn't he for Fenway Sports Group who Initially, you were taking that kind of baseball, basically the model of, of value and, and worth that was so successful in baseball with, with Billy Bean at um, Oakland Athletics, I think. Mm. Um, so successful, in fact, that he actually made a film about it, didn't he? Um, kind of, it was a way of unearthing talent at um, fairly low prices and polishing them and, and, and basically improving them to a point where they're able to be sold a huge profit. And Philip Coutinho just comes into that. Perfectly, doesn't he? He signed for around about eight million, was it, in January two thousand and thirteen? And it was a little bit of an unknown quantity. He had a loan spell at Espanyol, which obviously not quite fulfilling his potential at Inter Milan. And and Brendan Rodgers basically got to work with him, and almost instantly you could see why there was so much um, so much excitement around this player. Mm -hmm. Pretty much plays in in a similar type of way to the same way he does now. But he, he does it as an, uh, an elite performer now, doesn't he? For did it for Liverpool for so long and, and Barcelona. Okay, it didn't quite work out there, but he's moved to Bayern Munich. Um, but yeah, I, I'd, I'd say he was the the perfect money ball signing for Fenway Sports Group for bringing him in, into the club for eight million, selling for one hundred and forty two million mm. five years later. Um, okay, he didn't win anything with Liverpool, but he was undoubtedly one of their best players. When he was sold, Liverpool didn't want to sell him, did he? Jürgen Klopp certainly didn't. Um, so he sold on for such a huge fee that it enabled Liverpool to kind of reinvest that and maybe Liverpool wouldn't have been able to have brought Virgil van Dijk and Alisson Becker to the club without him. So his whole 
Liverpool's story was was huge really over the last decade. Mm. I think he's going to be hard to beat, but we'll we'll consider our other contenders. Second one will be Jordan Henderson, obviously captain of the club for a fair while. One of a rare few who've been able to say they can lift their, their European Cup, lift that Champions League trophy back in June. I guess he, with him, Gorsley, it's it's kind of a case of he's almost ebbed and flowed with the fortunes of the team mm. in the past decade under FSG. He's had his highs, he's had his lows. There's been times where it's been difficult for him on the pitch and he's maybe been underappreciated. Some would argue rightly, others would argue wrongly, but he's he's come out strongly since being one of the, one of those Damien Camoli signings and initially kind of being not written off as such by the fan base, but there's, you know, certainly having a lot of questions asked about it. Yeah, um, I think I, I think the list that we're talking about here now aren't necessarily the best players. It's it's kind of the players who have come to represent the decade almost. Mm. And um, I wouldn't say Jordan Henderson's the best uh, by far. I mean, I think uh, quite a lot of people would agree with that. He's the captain and, and there are certain reasons why he has the armband, but he's not the best player at Liverpool. But I suppose, in a way, he has come to kind of Define the the FSG era in a way. There's only six players who've made 250 Premier League appearances for Liverpool. He's he's one of them, and he's the only one who's done it this decade. So that mm. just kind of shows how uh, how much he's been used over the last ten years. He signed from Sunderland in the in 2011 for around about 16 million. Played with plenty of potential at the time, but one who was written off by a few at certain points of his Liverpool career even written off by Brendan Rodgers, who, who obviously yeah. tried to sell him to Fulham at the time. And he's just fought back time and time again, proved so many people wrong, took the armband off Steven Gerrard, which is such a, a difficult task to begin with, mm. and ended up becoming a European Cup winning captain. So you can write so much and say so much about Jordan Henderson. Uh, he, he's not the best Liverpool player of the last 10 years, but I think you'd have a fair shout to say he's someone who has defined this decade. Mm. Third candidate then... Um I guess was probably arguably the the first major signing of the of the Klopp era. So we're getting into the mm. back end of the decade when FSG had really started to get into the swing of things. He's now been here for three and a half seasons and has become one of the most threatening players in world football. Is Sadio Mane? Would he would he have a case or maybe arrive a little bit too late to be to be a top candidate? I'd say, I'd say he's got a case. I think he's someone who he, he transformed the pool's attack, didn't he? When when he first joined from Southampton, gave it so much so much speed that. Was kind of missing at the time. Yeah. Um. And I, I think he's adjusted to a, a position on the left of that front three so well. So obviously he was Liverpool star man on the right of the front three in his first season, and Mohamed Salah's arrival meant that he was shunted out onto the left, and that hasn't hindered him at all. And if anything, he's got better since he's moved over to the left. Now you're looking at him being a Premier League Golden Boot winner alongside mm-hmm. Salah and Pierre Emerick Aubameyang last season. Um. So important to Liverpool. Such a a fantastic player to watch so skillful so fast he can score goals left foot right foot um, alongside Salah and Firmino for me the, the best front three in world football and maybe I think I think he is someone who kind of he was the, the catalyst shall we say for mm. this new look attacking Liverpool uh, lineup that we see now and um, he'd, he'd have a shout I'd say yeah mm. Uh, three more contenders, all current players, all absolute top stars. <coughs> Roberto Firmino is the next one. Mm. Obviously, a man who fits into this Liverpool team in such a special way and, and makes the attack tick. And he was a an infamous, an infamous uh, transfer committee signer all the way back in 2015. And I guess he's an interesting one because he was came in under 
oh, I guess the, 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 the winter of the, of the Rodgers era, mm. inherited by Klopp, but then went on to become one of Klopp's key men. So he unites the two managerial reigns in quite a unique way. He does, and, and I suppose he, he, he kind of encapsulates both because he he wasn't really justifying his, his price tag and, and the excitement that surrounded his transfer under Brendan Rodgers. Okay, he will argue that he was played out of position at certain points, and I think that's a, a fair case to make because no one really knew where he fitted in. Some suggested he was an attacking midfielder, some thought he might have been a centre forward. He ended up playing left wing back one game at, at Old Trafford. I seem to remember, mm. but it was uh, it was Klopp's arrival, wasn't it, that really kickstarted his Liverpool career. He basically just stuck him up as a number nine when when Daniel Sturridge, you know, his injury problems meant that he couldn't be relied upon. So Klopp turned him into a turned Firmino into a number nine, and he hasn't really looked back since, has he? It's not the most prolific of, of centre forwards that you'll find across Europe, but in terms of importance to the overall game plan for Liverpool, the way they play with that. That front three with with the pace and, and I for goal either side of him and Mane and Salah is so so important. Such a clever player, um, so creative, and and does chip in with his fair amount of goals as well. So, uh, I mean, what a player he's been for Liverpool for the last four mm. years under Jurgen Klopp. Um, so important to, to this uh, Liverpool team, and it's difficult to think if he wasn't there, who would who would replace him as Liverpool's number nine because. Mm. As I say, his 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 style and his way of playing is just so crucial to how Liverpool operates as a team. Mm. So, two final candidates. Virgil van Dijk, I think, obviously, hasn't been around at the club as long as any of the other candidates. Well, Bobby Coutinho, no longer here, but Henderson, Mane, Firmino, been, been around a lot longer. But as a, as a symbol of what Liverpool have become in this past decade and what they've been able to achieve and... I guess shell out as well, you know, seventy five million pounds mm. that you wouldn't have seen that happening back in two thousand and ten. He's got to be in the argument at least, given all that. Yeah, definitely, and and I think if we were if, if I had to pick one as the kind of symbol of, of the decade, if you like, it probably would be Virgil Van Dijk. Mm. Um, I mean, we've we've talked about him so much over the last eighteen months, coming up towards two years. Um, best defender in the world, unquestionably. Could very well win the Ballon d'Or in yeah. two weeks' time. Um, unheard of for the defender. Well, you know, since since Fabio Cannavaro's 2006, after he won the World Cup with Italy, Champions League winner, Champions League finalist within six months of his arrival, Liverpool's most expensive player of all time, justified it, no question. Um, what can you say about him? He, he's just an absolute colossus at the back. Mm. He's virtually overnight transformed Liverpool's defence from one that was uh, it was the, the Achilles heel wasn't it of the Liverpool team under Klopp and it's become a, it's become the real strong point so a lot of that is down to just how good he's been and um, as I mentioned on a podcast the other day I think Liverpool have never had a, a Ballon d'Or winner um, Michael Owen did win the Ballon d'Or when it was recognised as the European Football of the Year in 2001 Kenny Dalglish, I think, finished second in '83 or '84 to Michel Platini. But Liverpool have never actually had or been able to boast having the best player in the world in their ranks, which is incredible, really, for the the success that the club mm-hmm. have had. But if Van Dijk does pick up that golden ball on on December the two, December the second in Paris, it's uh, it would just be a another rubber stamp for how far this Liverpool team have come under Jurgen Klopp. So. I think probably out of all the players that we're naming, 
I probably would say he'd be the first choice. Mm. It's interesting, yeah. Get you get the symbolic argument there, especially mm. if he does go on to win the Ballon d'Or. And then, lastly, away for Alisson, who I guess it's similar arguments in terms of transformative effect on yeah. the defence and his elite level in world football. I mean, like you said about Van Dijk, you could argue Alisson's the best keeper in the world, and don't think there'd be many who disagree. A reflection of Liverpool's spending power as well, um, and arguably a problem position in, in some respects, certainly in recent years. And he's addressed a lot of things and. He'd throw his hat in the ring as well. Yeah, um, in terms of you know, that specialist position, I, I, I don't think I've seen a goalkeeper as good as him at Liverpool. I was a little bit too young to remember Brucey's yeah. glory, glory days. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Alisson for me is the best goalkeeper in the world. He's won within one year at Liverpool, he won the Champions League, finished second in the Premier League with the best defensive record, 97 points. Uh, Golden Glove winner, Golden Glove winner in the Copper America, Golden Glove winning the Champions League. He'd struggle to 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 argue a goalkeeper who's, who's better than him at the moment. Um, broke the mould really because Liverpool had never spent. I mean, the, the Liverpool started to, to spend the big money in the in when, when they brought Van Dijk in, and mm. then obviously following that summer there was Fabinho and Naby Keita, and then Allison, who was a sixty-five million pound world's most expensive goalkeeper of all time at the time. Um, Liverpool had never done that before, yeah. and he was the first time that they'd really spent, you know, record-breaking sums on a goalkeeper, and he's justified that and uh, paid them back um, already. You'd argue so. You could you could certainly argue his case in terms of era defining players at Liverpool. Uh, certainly, in terms of goalkeepers, he's the, he's the best one that I've seen in our field. Mm. Well, I'm going to cheat slightly because of how this discussion has gone. I think we can allow ourselves two two players here, and the one who's the symbol of the decade and the, prog- the progress Liverpool have made, and I guess the one who really emphasises the difference between how how the decade started and how it finished. I think it's got to be it's got to be Van Dijk, hasn't it? We've got to give him that kind of symbolic award, and he's almost the, the beacon of where Liverpool could go and how much more could happen uh, under yeah. FSG in the years to come. But then someone who, who kind of really takes us back into the start of the of the, of the 2010s. Is it Coutinho? Is it Henderson? They're, they're probably my two prime candidates in that respect. Who, who would you be going for? I think I'd go for Henderson just because his story has, has kind of mirrored Liverpool's own over the last mm. 10 years when you think of his initial struggles when, when he came into the club and people, some people thought that he, he wasn't going to cut it. And you know he, he even said recently, didn't he, that... Luis Suarez used to give him all kinds of stick and training yeah. because he, he, you know, he he do certain things that Suarez didn't like, and and Henderson himself questioned whether he deserved to, to be at the club, and he he's knuckled down, stuck to it, improved, become a leader of the team, a captain, European Cup winning captain, which which you don't say lightly. So I think I'd, in terms of um, the transformative effect. And and so on. I think you'd have to go with Van Dyke, but in terms of just the actual story, then I'd go with Henderson over Coutinho. Mm. Well, I'm not going to disagree with that. European uh, Cup winning captain, that that's good enough for me. So, congratulations to Jordan Henderson, man of the decade, and Virgil Van Dyke, man of the moment, and perhaps the future. Um, yeah, and just six great candidates there. I think it all just shows how much has happened this decade and how exciting the potential is for the future, given five of them are still there and at the peak of their powers. So we will leave it there. And as I say, come and have a look at uh, all the end of decade content that's already on the Echo website. Plenty more to uh, get your teeth stuck into. So thank you very much. You've been listening to the Agenda Podcast on the Blood Red Channel.